Hello and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor and coach. This podcast is all about sharing stories and showing you that you're never too old and it's never too late to achieve your goals and change your life. This episode features Lucy Griffiths, author of best-selling book, Make Money While You Sleep. Lucy coaches business owners to create passive income so they can work less and live more. We all need a bit more of that. Lucy has sold over 50,000 courses and has packaged all of this experience into helping other people to do the same, to turn their own experience into digital courses and scale their businesses. Along her journey, Lucy has also been a TV journalist, worked around the world, including in Asia and the Middle East, and achieved a master's in coaching. So let's get ready to soak up Lucy's knowledge on this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And it is so fabulous that you've taken the time to join us today. For our listeners, Lucy, would you just give them a little bit of an introduction as to who you are? Well, I'm a mum to my son, Ben, who is seven, um, and that is a huge priority to me. As, as well, I run a business from home. I work school hours. My son is autistic, so I fit a lot of my life around him. But despite you know working school hours, all those limitations that that brings, as a single parent, I've sold over 50,000 courses. I have written a best-selling book, which was published in the UK and the US, and it's just being published in China, which is really Amazing. exciting. And I get to build a business that that has really given me that freedom um, through creating passive income. So it's it's enabled me to sort of live in the way that I want to live rather than feeling like I'm on the treadmill. Mm. Before I created courses and and became an entrepreneur I worked as a TV journalist which mm. you you mentioned mm. and I was working mainly in conflict zones around the world um, spent a lot of time in places like Iraq or you know was working on stories on North Korea or China Afghanistan mm. and you know my life was very very different I spent a lot of time in refugee camps mm. and that kind of life well I was hugely passionate about it. And I still am really passionate about those stories. It was not practical for me when I had my son. Mm. And so I had to find another way of working. And so that really inspired my whole entrepreneurial journey. Gosh, I mean, I can't wait to get further into this podcast and hear all about this because there's got to be some absolutely fascinating stories to, to come out of all of this. My podcast is very much about encouraging women who who are maybe they've given so much of their life to everybody else and they've hit midlife and they think well that's it this is it now you know it, it it's there's there's nothing else for me and and I want them to understand that you know take and embrace everything that you've learned and everything you you've put into your armor and now step into the shadows this is actually your time your time to shine and you know you're an absolute glowing example of how how this can be be achieved. So what does formidable over 40 mean to you? And if there's somebody sat there feeling that their life's very much in the shadows, what do you think they need to do to be that formidable over 40 woman? I, I, I'm trying to actually think when I set up my business, but I think I was just 40 when I mm. set up my business. So you know, being 40 something has absolutely been part of this whole entrepreneurial adventure. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Mm. Um, You make it up as you go along, but you are never too old. It Mm. is never too late. Mm. I have clients who I work with. My oldest client is 81. And he is this wonderful, he has the most incredible stories of playing jazz in the 1960s and working with Dr. Martin Luther King. And now he is creating a membership on loneliness and coaching young people about how to connect and network. And you are never too old to do this. You can really take your skills, your passions, your enthusiasms and turn that into a business. That Mm. is the incredible thing about social media, Mm. about YouTube, about the way that the world works. You can live anywhere in the world Mm. 
and you can package up your skills, your experience, your knowledge, and turn that into something that is, you know, a business. And you can create it in a way that works for you and works um, absolutely for your systems, your lifestyle, whatever you have going on. Yeah. And, and, and no barrier is there anymore. You can't say I'm too old because mm. that's nonsense. Yeah. You know, whatever disabilities or ailments you may have or illnesses, yes, of course they are, you know, definitely things that you have to overcome, mm. but they can be overcome because we've seen it every day that people do incredible things despite the odds. And yeah. you can do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely wonderful advice. And we'll come up to self-limiting beliefs later on in the interview because often it is that, isn't it? And we've, we, we've got to to sort of try and break through our comfort zone. But as I say, we're going to come to that. What, I, what I'd like to know is that if we go back to, to Lucy, who was 15, what would Lucy's dreams and hobbies have been? So when I was 15, I was absolutely desperate to be a journalist. And um, I was lucky enough, I had an uncle who... My parents um, lived abroad, so my parents travel around the world. So I spent most of my life sort of from a very young age. I w went to boarding school and my parents were abroad. Mm. So my uncle, I had this, this uncle who come and picked me up for kind of half terms and weekends. And he was a journalist. He was a sports journalist. And he was this huge influence on my life. And he made me see that it was possible. Mm. And so all I wanted to do was be a journalist and I was desperate. I set up like the school magazine and, you know, did all these things. Yeah. Um, and while I definitely doubted my sort of intellect and, um, you know, was I good enough and were my grades going to be good enough? He made me see that actually it didn't matter that you weren't, he would say, well, I left school at 16. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And you know, he was very much about just making sure that you are, yes, of course, whatever talents you have is important, but being personable and nice to people and being willing to work, those qualities are so important and so overlooked. But actually, they are the things that make people, they will support you because they think, oh, that person's nice. I'm going to, you know, definitely be an ally to them. Yeah. And, and those things are so often ignored because of, you know, checklists of whatever exams you got from 30 years ago yeah. or whatever it may be, when those things are completely irrelevant now. Yeah, ab absolutely. They really are. And so if we, 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 we talk from Lucy, who is 15, to Lucy now, who is this absolute wonderful coach and you've written this fantastic book, tell us about, you know, the coaching that you offer online and, and you know, how you're helping other, well, not just female entrepreneurs, you're helping anybody really, aren't you, to, to get invisible. Tell, tell us about that. And what was the story behind how you founded your business? So... When my son was born, I had a really traumatic birth experience and I woke up the, the day after I'd given birth and I sort of went to the, stood up to go to the toilet and basically peed myself. Right. And I had chronic incontinence that meant I, I tore in three places. Oh. I couldn't really function in the way that I did before. Mm. I would you know, I would literally get out of the house, walk down the street, cough mm. and wet my trousers mm. and have to go back home again. And life as I knew it dramatically shrunk. Mm. I couldn't go back to work. You know, I, there was no way I could work in a war zone. You know, before literally when I was on maternity leave, I was covering the war in Ukraine. Gosh. And suddenly then I could barely walk down the street um, or down a hill without peeing myself. Oh. And so you know, I had to do something that was from home. There was no way I could go to an office because yeah. I just, I just <laughs> didn't have the no, confidence no. to do that. So I needed to find something that worked for me. Mm. And I set up, first of all, a business, um, just, you know, I, I'd already done my coaching master's degree. So I did a coaching master's degree while I was in Iraq. Mm. I wanted to do something else. And I was using, um, coaching skills to help the people that I was working with. I was working with 
um, Syrian and Iraqi refugees who were setting up a TV station. Mm. So I, I realized that I needed a different way of working with them. And that's where I got interested in sort of PTSD and psychology and really wanting to work with them. Mm. But after giving birth, sort of working in kind of war zones felt so far removed. And I had to think, okay, what do I know that I can help other people mm. with? And so that's when I really thought, okay, I could teach people how to be camera confident. Mm. And, you know, I, I already did a lot of that. I worked, I did a lot of video production with kind of CEOs of major global companies, whether it's, you know, like, you know, Ford or Unilever. Mm. And so I had that skill set. I knew that there were people who were incredibly accomplished mm. But they actually, you put them in front of a camera and they would quake mm. and be really nervous and mumble and stutter and all these things that we all do. Mm. But they wanted to come across as really polished and, you know, confident. Yeah. And so I was working one-to-one with small business owners and, and larger corporates. And I realized that actually, you know, me going out to do a day of filming, I remember I had a day filming at Manchester United and I was sort of there all day and that just didn't fit with my son and Mm -hmm. being there for childcare, everything else. It was such Mm -hmm. a big drama to actually get there and do it. So um, that's when I decided, right, I'm going to go all in on courses. So I built a course and, you know, my son, well, I built it, my son was playing with his brio set at my feet and I'd be doing things and I got it done and from that course I've sold well it's you know almost 60,000 courses and you know it that literally was a $19 course that sells through Facebook ads through you know other ads plus you know the YouTube all those other places Mm. But basically what happens is somebody buys that course and they're upsold into multiple different products. Mm-hmm. And, and that literally, that system of selling has given me this recurring income. Mm. It's given me a safety net for everything that's happened in the last few years. And during the pandemic, we had an Airbnb. I was still with my husband and mm. we had an Airbnb business as well with we had, um, 13 properties. Wow. And of course, you know, February 2020 nobody wanted to stay in an Airbnb and we had we had 13 mortgages to pay and it was a terrifying time Mm -hmm. but my confident on camera course literally kept us all afloat and sold amazingly at that time as Mm -hmm. you can imagine and um, paid for the mortgages paid for everything else and despite everything going on you know homeschooling Mm -hmm. I got sick with COVID for quite a long time Mm -hmm. writing my book I wasn't necessarily working huge amount of hours in my business, Mm. but it just beautifully ticked over and enabled me to still have a, you know, really good safety net for everything that was, you know, being hurled my way. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And you mentioned the the gentleman and I I think... um... I can't remember, but I remember somewhere on LinkedIn you mentioned this this gentleman before, and it's just such a lovely, lovely story. But I mean, you, what what other success stories have you got? Anything else that you you can share from from your your program? Um, yeah, so we have um, lots of different people who you know do the program. So Stan, who I just mentioned there, is like eighty one. Um, people like uh, the lovely Leah Turner, who. Yes is this absolute phenomenon on LinkedIn. And, you know, she, she and I worked together. We, we created a LinkedIn course for her Mm. and it really enabled her to step back from, from being on LinkedIn and doing one-to-one coaching to selling that. Mm. And, you know, that Leah as a single mom, which was, she really struggled during the pandemic. She won't mind me saying that. And it's, it really gave her that, that Mm. freedom to, to step back so you can, start yeah. managing your time a bit better. Mm. I've just just literally launched last week with Jerry Williams who is this incredible also on LinkedIn she's um she's incredible uh, accountant behind smooth accounting yeah. and you know she's built a, a, an amazing membership mm. for her clients who you know so it's it's very much about actually rather than doing one-to-ones with people she's still got her accountancy practice but she's now built a a membership for other accountants who want to grow successful uh, accountancy businesses and you know it's it's can work with 
many different types of businesses, whether it's the legal industry, um, whether it's, um, you know, coaching and teaching whatever skills you have, whether, you know, it it works because you are packaging up what you know Mm. and selling to a particular audience that needs that knowledge, that expertise. You know, and it can be so diverse from people wanting to, you know, professional speaking skills. Caroline Goida, who is um, she, if you check her out on YouTube, she's Mm. got this incredible TED talk about confidence and breathing. It's really good TED talk. Mm. And she's used that as, you know, I I think it's got over 10 million views now. And she's used that as her sort of basis to then sell her to sell her courses. Mm. So there's many ways that you can you can do this. You could use, you know, YouTube ads, Facebook ads, mm. TikTok. It can it can work in a variety of ways. Mm. But the secret is that you are talking to your people, whoever they may be, mm. and you're sharing your skills and expertise. Yeah. And and it it really works, mm-hmm. but gives you that freedom and flexibility as well. Yeah. And I mean, you're so passionate about this. I mean, I follow you on LinkedIn. It's been a LinkedIn morning today. We've we've <laughs> we've done um we've had three you're our third uh, third guest today. Um we've 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 done a number of interviews and, and we've had Leah and then we've had um we've had Di and we've got we we've got you. It's it sounds like it's a, a LinkedIn morning. So anyone if you're listening back to back, you're gonna feel that we're LinkedIn should be listening. Because it's like a, we should be getting paid for promoting LinkedIn, but but it is a fantastic platform, and we have met some some wonderful people. I mean, when when we we I look at you, Lucy. As I say, you, you're so full of energy and 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 passionate and motivated, and you can see that you absolutely love what you do. What what is your why? What what is the why behind the the passion? I think for me, it's very much about wanting to create something that's there for my son so that he has, um, you know, a a great life, but he also has me around. Mm. Um, You know, I am there to, he, you know, I don't really work on a Friday because I take him to equine therapy. I'm I'm absolutely there for um, school drop-off and school pick-up. So my days are quite, you know, they're not long days. And having that flexibility um, really gives me those opportunities to be there for my son, which yes. is absolutely key. Yeah. But I'm also really motivated to help other people. And that has always been a massive driving force for me. Yeah. And so I do that in two ways. Obviously, by working with people, yeah. I help them, inspire them to get going, to build that business. Yeah, And that that in itself is hugely rewarding. And I love that. Um, But I've also always been driven by like a bigger purpose to help people. Um, You know, 20 years ago, I was working in refugee camps Mm. and um, was very, very motivated by um, helping women in particular in refugee camps um, try and find their voice because many had gone through extremely challenging, disturbing, horrible situations. And um, so it was always about, you know, I wanted to, to help them get their voice. Yeah. And, um, and now as I, you know, sort of, I'm 20 years on, mm. um, I'm still that same passion, but I think it's more, it's not so much just about finding a voice. It's also actually now it's about wanting them to be able to be self-sufficient. Because, um, you know, they leave everything when they, you know, when people have to flee a, a, a war zone, yeah. they leave behind everything and they're completely traumatized, yeah. but also lost. They have nothing. And um, so for me, one of those big drivers is actually to to be able to give back yeah. and help them through, um, you know, 5% of various projects, memberships, courses that I I give back to organizations so we can fund entrepreneurial projects Mm. in refugee camps and you know people can stay in a tent in a refugee camp for 20 years and it's absolutely soul destroying but if they can get access to the internet a laptop they can suddenly create a whole new world and build a business Mm. and you know that skill set in itself 
you know, I, I'm working with like UNDP mm. and also I like, have been badgering Facebook because yeah. I think there's so many opportunities mm. to really create massive change. Yeah. And rather than just giving handouts, That's it's it. giving people uh, the skills education. to yeah. absolutely, absolutely transform their lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Goodness. And you, you're, you're all about, as you've just said, motivating, inspiring and supporting. But even the strongest of us at times, we can feel challenged. You know, we can sometimes hit a wall. And if that ever happened to you or if it has happened to you, what do you do to get unstuck? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So this year has been hard. Mm. Okay. In fact, the last – I was just writing an email about – I was listening to a podcast at the weekend and they were saying how um, the stress levels from the pandemic – were equivalent to, and this was kind of quite a renowned MIT psychotherapist saying how the stress levels were equivalent to the stress of World War One and Two. And I thought, wow, mm. yeah, I suppose they were. And and I think, you know, for all of us collectively, we have gone through enormous turbulence. Mm. You know, and I certainly with, you know, businesses, all of that going on my relationship imploded and so moved out from being with my husband and you know we had a very very comfortable life Mm. and you know homeschooling my son in the midst of that I also managed to write my book um so it's been it's been it's been a roller coaster of you know two three years yeah and so all of that has definitely been incredibly stressful Mm. and there have been times where I've you know, sob down the phone to my best friend who lives in Tasmania in Australia, yeah. or you know, I really thought I don't know, I don't know wh- how I'm going to keep going. Mm. And I've always been someone. I think my, I look at you know, all of my my family, and I think my parents taught us a sort of inner strength. Mm. You know, I being at boarding school it was horrible I hated it mm. and I was really severely bullied right. and it was you know and living with a bully all the time who was do you know she'd strangle me and all sorts was was awful yeah. and my dad used to send me these little postcards and you know like with a picture of like elephants on or something and just you know he'd say just keep plodding on you know yeah. keep going and I think that in those times of difficulty that's all you can do. You can just, you just, you know, keep going, you keep plodding on Mm. because when you do put one foot in front of the other, it does kind of come together. Even though uh, when you're going through it, you might feel like I am wading through treacle and this is horrific, Mm. but it's those baby steps that incrementally get you out of that place into that better space. Mm. The other thing that really helped me in these last few years has been Reiki. You know, I, I'm, I've had therapy since I was in my early twenties, like, you know, get over the whole experience of boarding school. Yeah. But I think, and you know, and I still, and going through all the divorce and everything, I, you know, went to see various therapists but Reiki mm. definitely has been the thing yeah. for me in these past few years. I think working on that sort of energy level yeah. um, perspective has really, really helped me. Mm. Um, I meditate once, if not twice a day. Mm-hmm. I make sure I run every day. So, you know, although my day is busy, I'll meditate first thing in the morning, mm. just 10 minutes. Um, I have a wonderful one from Gabby Bernstein that I just, you know, it's like 10 minutes, right? okay, great. I can be in my little zone. Mm. I'll fit in the run after the school run. And then I crack on with work. But by doing those things, Mm. they keep me on track. If I don't go running, Mm. if I don't, or I don't, I love cold water swimming as well. If I don't do those things, I definitely feel it. Mm. And, you know, so I have to make sure that I really do those things. I look after myself. Yes. I eat well, you know, that, there are some days where I don't eat much all day and then suddenly I eat, like, you know, I, I sort of raid Ben's <laughs> chocolate yes. supplies and whatever. And then I just feel, you know, you feel awful and yeah. it really affects you. So I really make sure that I try to look after myself, mm. particularly in times of difficulty. If you can 
do all of those things, you are setting yourself up for, okay, it's still going to be hard, but Mm. at least you're setting yourself up for being more resilient and coping with whatever is held at you. Yeah, and uh, and we, we've actually touched on this a few times uh, today in, in the other interviews that I've, I've done, and it's about being responsible for your own happiness. And, you know, sometimes that's an incredibly hard thing to do, you know, when you feel as if the walls are crashing down around you. But it's so important, isn't it, to, to not just be a someone's, but to remember that you are someone and take responsibility for your health and your well-being and that has a knock-on effect on your mental health and your strength and your self-confidence and and the feeling stuck and you know and and like you say there about routine you know about building time into the day for you and you know many of my clients say oh I haven't got time I haven't got time but you have got time because you know so anyone listening who says I haven't got time it's very much isn't it about well well, actually I'll, I'll put this to you rather than me say for someone who says they haven't got time you're very busy you're you're a very busy woman businesswoman and a mum how do you manage the time how do you make the time to, for yourself I mean, it's it's hard. It's really hard. But if you don't do that, then I find that everything else kind of doesn't work as well and doesn't function. Mm. So um, carving out those pockets, like I say, you know, I do the school run. So I drop my I literally I'm in my running kit when I drop my son at school. And then, you know, as I leave the school gates, I start running Mm. and I will run for half an hour. You know, I am not the most amazing runner in the world. I wasn't sporty at school and I definitely granny run, (laughs) as I call it, but I run. Uh And, you know, and by doing that, I used to I I used to love when I lived in London, I loved yoga and Mm. I still love yoga. Mm. But actually getting to a yoga class it's you know then you have to get to the class doesn't happen and it becomes much more of a a faff whereas actually you could go running for half an hour um and you know I will you know and rather than saying to yourself oh I'll wait till um you know I can't shower and dress just run in your lunch break at work Mm. um you know you just it's okay you can no one's going to care for the afternoon, <laughs> you know, just it means that you've done that thing. You've got yeah. that exercise in. You felt much better about yourself. I mean, you know, in the winter, we don't mm. really sweat when we run, well, unless you're like super bionic, but I don't. So I probably so, would never even break into a sweat when I run. <laughs> I'll never be that fat. But, um, but the thing is that actually by, you know, just making those things non-negotiable, mm. It is possible. I mean, I look at my brother. So my brother has my brother has always struggled struggled with alcohol, and um, he came to stay with me in Beijing. And I was living in Beijing, and he came to stay. This is two thousand nine, and he basically stayed for like two months while he was trying to stop drinking. Mm. And um, he's just completed his sixteenth Ironman competition oh. and went to the world championships for Ironman, you know, you get to, I think you do 10 and then you go. And, you know, my brother's like 50 something and, um, you know, it is possible. He gets up at 4am to do it. You know, I mean, I don't think I can manage 4am, but but the point is that there is always a pocket of time. You just make the choices Mm. of what is going to work for you and how you're going to carve out that time, whether it's in your lunch break, whether it's just after the school run, um, whatever it may be, but make those moments because they really matter and they're really mm. important to your mental health yeah. and your well-being. Mm. And it's often just making that conscious decision, isn't it, to do it. It's like, you know, go and buy the trainers or if you've got an old pair of trainers, just put them on and start, isn't it? And I think once you start, that's the yeah, hardest bit, isn't it? Absolutely. I literally... I. Have replaced my trainers about a couple of months ago, uh-huh. and they were my old trainers from about fifteen years ago. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I just, I, you know, and I, you know, when I first, I think I started running on Christmas Eve, twenty twenty, and mm. I was just sick of being on. You know, I, yoga had stopped because of the pandemic, and I used to go two or three times a week. Mm. And yoga had stopped. And I was like, I'm sick of 
just going on tiny walks with my son because he doesn't want to walk very far and being unhealthy. Mm. And I wanted something for me. I wanted actually just a small window of time that was mine and nobody else's. Mm. And, um, And actually, you know, I really credit running for, I think the reason that I gave myself that gave me just at a small window where I had the space and time to really think, what do I want in my life? Mm. And that was when I started having all these questions about my relationship and, you know, what did I, what was making me happy? Mm. And sometimes we're so busy, we're on this treadmill of life that we don't, we're just doing all the jobs, we're ticking off the list, we're doing the things, we're being, you know, the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect whatever, Mm. that we don't really think, what do I want? That's right. And it's only when you give yourself that space mm. that you can really start to ask those questions mm. and allow yourself to really think, what makes me happy? Yeah. And at the end of the day, the only person who is going to save you, who is responsible mm. for your happiness yeah. is you. That's absolutely right. And the, it, interestingly, the very first question that makes my CEO's cry or the women in business and I don't go out to make them cry but it's such a relevant question and it's I ask them who are you and are you happy how does happy feel and and you know and that is a oh goodness me I haven't actually thought about my own happiness for such a long time and then the the tears come and the it all comes out but it, it, it's so important, isn't it? And it's not being selfish to, to, to be happy, is it? It's, it's not selfish. Absolutely not. You know, I, I had this sort of reckoning, I suppose, where I thought, do I want to do this for another 20 years? And I thought, I no. Mm-hmm. And um, as hard as it has all been, and it's really, really hard, mm-hmm. um, it's you know, our happiness is so important. Mm. And, um, you know, we only get one life. We just get, um, you know, those opportunities to, 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 to actually create something beautiful, whether that's those relationships that we have, the, the relationships we have with our children, the things that we do. Um, and, those experiences really matter. Mm. And, you know, you can choose, do you want to keep plodding on doing the same thing because it's safe, it's what you've always done? Mm. Or do you want to do something that really scares you silly, but actually on the other side of it, Mm. makes you feel so much more alive, so Mm. much happier, and so much more you. Mm. A beautiful horizon that you've never seen before. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have just, anybody who follows me on social media will know when I say the bloody book. They will know what I mean because I've just finished writing the bloody book. And I know that it's no mean feat to write a book. And you've written your fabulous book. Tell us about it. Tell us about it and the experience and how you came to, to write your book, which I don't believe is a bloody book. You seem to have really enjoyed the process. So tell us about it. <laughs> um, so my book's called Make Money While You Sleep. Yeah. And it's, it's literally about um, turning your skills, your experience, your knowledge, taking that, de-chunking it from your brain, packaging it up into a course or a membership and then selling it on repeat. So you create that passive income Mm. and make money while you sleep. Mm. Um, And I was working with, so as well as building my own courses, I also have worked with various brands um, to help them build courses Mm. um, and do joint ventures. I, you know, people like magazine brands like Psychologies Magazine Mm. and other big brands and also some, you know, pretty big influencers. And one of those influencers said, oh, let me um, introduce you to to my agent. And I was like, okay. And and anyway, so I I had a quick chat with her and I said, I'd really like to um, write a book called Make Money While You Sleep. And she was like, yes, I love it. And literally, it was probably the last 
train tube ride that I took in, I was living in London at the time, into kind of central London. It was like beginning of March 2020. Mm. And um, so met Joe, my agent. And um, so we kind of hashed out this idea. Of course, then COVID struck and homeschooling and everything else. So I didn't really kind of think about it. I said, Joe, I can't really cope with (laughs) thinking about this. And so um, uh, the following year we submitted, so it was, um, we were in lockdown again. Um, I think it was like January, 2021. Mm. We submitted my kind of idea and proposal and um, and literally got um, an email back um, from, um, from Hodron Stoughton about um, publishing my book. And they wanted to publish it. And the deal was that um, the editor there, she loved it. And she said, I really love this, um, but there's one one thing you have to do. And I was like, oh, God. And um, basically wanted me to write it in three months. And um, we were still in lockdown, you know, January, and we were literally just about to move house from um, from London to um, to the, the Cotswolds. Mm. So it was it was lots of change going on. So so I said, okay, um, I will start when um, so. And they gave me this deadline of July the seventh, twenty twenty one. And um, so I said, well, I can't start till my son goes back to school. So which was the 8th of March. So I basically had 12 weeks to write a book. And, um, you know, being a journalist, I'm used to cranking out copy. That's Mm. one thing that I am, you know, I'm used to very tight deadlines. And I used to write, you know, I'd be, say, you'd have three weeks where you were covering, I know, Fukushima for the earthquake, or, you know, some kind of earthquake Mm. or terrible. And you're literally working, maybe, 18 hours a day more and you are um and you're just cranking out multiple stories and you just lose track of how many words you write you're just you know it, it out it goes yeah and so for me I knew I could do it I just had to be focused mm. so um I set it up where I was um working I worked Monday to Wednesday on the business mm. and I did all my coaching calls and everything else and Thursday and Friday were my writing days mm. And some days, now, if anybody's interested in writing a book, I would really recommend reading um, or listening to James Clear's Atomic Habits, Mm. which is the most phenomenal book about just looking at your habits and how you spend your time. And it's brilliant for all of these conversations we've had about, I don't have time, because actually, when you look at your habits, you do have time. Um, And um, Anyway, so from reading that book, I was like, okay, right, I can do this. I can make it happen. So I would kind of give myself a little bit of faffing time because you, everybody just needs that to mm. procrastinate a bit. And then I'd get going and I did a chapter, a, I'd do a chapter a week. So I did 12 chapters, one a week. And um, some days I would find myself that I'd faffed all of Thursday and I'd be like, oh my God, going to bed. And then I get, I find myself waking up. So I just go to bed really early, wake up sort of 4am and just crank it out. Mm. And usually by the time I pick my son up um, for going to therapy, so that was picking him up at 12 o'clock, I would, I would have done eight hours I've cranked out a lot mm. um and it may be that I would do a bit more in the that evening and even going into Saturday like wee hours of the morning I'd do it before he woke up mm. um but that got me the a chapter done and by writing a chapter a week you're kind of in the flow you get mm. it done it was doable and so I got the tw- so I met the deadline of the 7th of July Amazing. which I couldn't quite believe I did it but I really enjoyed the experience yeah and I have to say I was actually really relieved that mm. they gave me such a tight deadline yeah because otherwise I know I would have procrastinated and I would have taken a year and I would have faffed around and struggled and you know because we just do but mm. when we have to do something we deliver on it because mm. we just have to mm. um and so I you know I'd love to write once I've sort of got myself a bit more settled with everything here mm. I'd love to write book two and it's definitely you know the brain is worrying about it yeah but I all definitely want to have that same kind of impetus where I'm I'm cranking it out and I'm getting it done because otherwise I don't think 
for me, having like a year to write the project, it would it would seep into everything and I'd feel guilty if I wasn't working on it mm. and all of that. Whereas actually having a really fixed period of time means you do get it done. Yeah, definitely. And, th- you know, there might be people listening who think, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. I, I really think I've I've got a great book in me, but I, I don't know where to start. What what do you think is the art of, of creating or, or writing a great story or, or a book? I think the most important thing, and James Clare really talks about this, Mm. is just starting. Yeah. Because the brain is so resistant to actually doing anything, doing anything new, because we want to stay safe. We want Mm. to protect ourselves. And so we are resistant to learning a new skill, to, to starting a book, to starting running or whatever it may be. We're resistant to that because it's Mm. new and the brain has to use a lot more energy to to do that new thing. Yeah. And so if you start, yes, you're going to faff around and you might chunk a few chapters and say, oh, I don't like that. But actually by starting, Mm. you you will surprise yourself how much you can do, how well you can do, and what you create. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's key, isn't it? It's like anything. It's like putting the running shoes on, isn't it? It's starting. It's just starting. What do they say? Is it 21 days or something to break a habit? So 20, something like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like 20. And then some people say 66, but whatever yeah. it is, when yeah. you start. Just get on and do you, it. It's yes. you're, you're halfway there and it doesn't matter as long as you start. You're, you're at least moving in the right direction, aren't you? Yes, you know, so which is key. One of the things probably which stops many people women starting is is the self-limiting beliefs thinking oh, I can't do that and look at those people they're doing all of that and they must be you know super strong and I'm not this and I'm not that but I think there's a link if anyone's listening who's listened to all of my podcasts I think that um, there is an intrinsic link that we all still have self-limiting beliefs is it something that you've you've suffered from and if so how how have you pushed through them Oh God, I have so many <laughs> limiting beliefs. Um, I, for many, many years, didn't think I was good enough or clever enough or enough, really. Um, I would, you know, use that as a story of why I couldn't do various things and I would hold myself back from them. You know, I, I on on so many different levels, whether it was, you know, being shy and speaking up in meetings, speaking up for myself, I would, I would, I was definitely, I'm quite an empath and I would, I would find myself as much more of the people pleaser, the one who was afraid to speak up. Mm. I'm hugely a work in progress. But what I can say is that once you recognize that you have whatever limiting belief you may have, that the brain is a magnificent thing that you can evolve. The brain, you know, we have, we're lucky enough to have neuroplasticity that we can change and we can adapt. And, you know, we, if you choose to rewrite your scripts, I loved in, so in my twenties, when I started doing therapy, I, after several years of therapy, I, I, I went, I basically left the UK and went to work abroad Um, But I took with me a book called Homecoming, and it was very much about rewriting our scripts. And and I've always carried that as a, you know, we can, it's, you can rewrite the way you you behave. It's just, you learned a pattern of behavior, you learned a way to think. Mm. And um, it's like um, how I was just on, on a podcast this weekend, and they were they were describing it as when you walk through a field, and if you're you're um, you're walking through the grass, mm. if you walk backwards and forwards through that field every day, yeah. you're creating, creating a, a path. new pathway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, even though you've always done, you've always gone from A to B. Mm. There's no reason you can't go from A to C. You yeah. just have to create that pathway to yeah. get there. Yeah. So once you recognise whatever limiting beliefs you may have, it is being able to say, you know what, I am going to consciously try this new pathway. Mm. And things like, you know, I I love um, hypnotherapy, NLP, Mm. I 
always um, very open to learning new techniques so that I can try and create new pathways. Mm. You know, whether for me, you know, a good few years ago now, I really struggled with my weight. And, mm. and that was one of the things was, you know, comfort eating. And so that was learning new pathways mm. of um, how, to, how to manage that so that my, you know, first reaction, if I felt emotional, wasn't to, to eat my emotions, mm. to actually um, find other ways of, of actually writing out those emotions or journaling or meditating to mm. deal with my emotions. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I was, I was never a sporty person. I wasn't sporty at school. I'm, you know, mm. <laughs> not very coordinated. But now people say, but you're really sporty. You're always swimming and you're always running. Mm-hmm. And I think, am I sporty? <laughs> and I, you know, because you, always, I still you look very sport. sporty. You always look sporty in something <laughs> so, that you're doing, something sporty. Um, and, and that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually in my yoga clothes and I'll, uh, I'm going to, I'll go to yoga a bit later. And I'm, um, and I'm, I've just been for a run earlier. So, uh, you know, I am sporty, yeah. but in my brain that, you know, that's an old wiring of I'm not mm, sporty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we can have these things that these limiting beliefs, but you can still overcome them, even though they might be there. You, you know, that's a part of your brain. That's a part of you that's trying to protect you mm. in some way. And so if you can, can recognize that in a child and say, you know, rather than just dismissing them and say, oh, you know, don't be so stupid about this. Actually, by being kind to that inner child and by saying, it's okay, we're going to mm. do this thing. You know, it's it's a bit scary at first, but we'll be fine. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I will have that conversation with myself. I'll <laughs> often look in the mirror and I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I will be like, right, Lucy, come on, you can <laughs> do this. And I, you know, and I will say it with a lot more force than yes. that. But I will, you know, say whatever it may be. I mean, yeah. Earlier this year, I was absolutely, I'd not driven, really, I'd not driven since I had my son. I just Mm -hmm. sort of was living in London and then my husband tended to drive. And so I just stopped driving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd driven for many, many years, but I just stopped driving. And it got to the point where actually then it became like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to drive. I felt scared of driving. And when we moved um, to to the Cotswolds, I needed to drive. And obviously, Mm. when I separated from my husband, I was suddenly like completely isolated. And um, so as I I literally had to buy a new car and two days later, I moved out of our marital home Mm. and um, and I had to I had to drive. And um, it was a great lesson for my son as well, because uh, I was terrified mm-hmm. of driving mm-hmm. absolutely terrified and you know a, a girlfriend of mine drove me to the dealership we picked up the car and I literally had to just you know she left me there she had to go and and I had to just start driving and I drove back it was like a 40 minute drive back God. home I was like, oh my God. and but I did it and mm-hmm. and every day and I'd say to my son oh he's not very good at driving but yeah. we're still doing it yes. and you know and he has learned through the experience of me overcoming my fear yeah not being great at something because I'm not mm-hmm. um but also doing it and getting better yes um you know so even now like he'll go mommy you just parallel park <laughs> oh, that's amazing <laughs> um, which you know I'm still not great at it but it's but yeah. the point is I yeah. you know it's actually seeing in practice that when you do something yeah and accepting okay this may not be your number one thing that you can do but you can still do it yeah absolutely what it and that is a wonderful lesson isn't it we don't have to be great at everything on day one we've just got to start and you know and give it a go I always say to myself when I'm scared of something now come on Sarah you don't want to be lying on that deathbed saying you wished you had you want to be glad you did (laughs) that is so true that's a great one even though I am terrified usually of whatever it is I'm trying to do um so you've got a mega busy life you know you you've got you've got your business you've got your you're a single mum and you've got so much going on how do you find balance to work on your business because that's often a thing that people say oh I just can't get past this stage because I just don't have time to work on my business you know I'm busy working in it so they don't necessarily get the growth and they never really realize maybe the full potential what do you do to make sure that you know you're still working on your business and you know it's still growing and 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 moving forwards what 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 do you do 
and what have you maybe got in the pipeline moving forward? You've mentioned maybe a second book. Um, so for me, okay, so I am lucky enough now I have my, my courses, my membership, most of my digital products all set up and mm. they sell themselves. So as long as I am doing some marketing, as long as my ads are working in the way that I want them to, uh, you know, when I've built those fundamentals, let's say those building blocks, they, they do the work for me. Mm. So actually it means I can step back a lot more. So for a lot of this year, I have, you know, been coaching clients for a couple of days a week, but actually as far as doing actually you know, working in, in in the same way on the business. I had all the building blocks there. Mm. So I could step back and actually I was, you know, doing lots of divorce paperwork and mm. moving house and all of these other things that actually took up an enormous chunk of my life. Mm. But during the pandemic, I was building, so I was building a, a course for Psychologies magazine. I was actually building four courses for them. So, and we were under contract to build these courses. Plus then it was homeschooling, plus running my own business. And it was like, how am I going to find the hours yeah. in the day? So there was a chunk of time where I was getting up at 4 a.m. And which sounds horrific, yeah. but actually I only need, I, I had to be in bed by 10 o'clock. Yeah. I only need six hours sleep. So I'm lucky in that way. I only need six hours. So I would get up at four and I would basically do three hours work before my son woke up. Mm. And, you know, bearing in mind, this was school homeschooling days. So I'd have three hours where I consistently work on building those courses and, um, and we got it done. Mm. And that's the thing that there may be a period, if you want to set up a business, I think one of the things about setting up a business is that you do have to work hard. Mm. Okay. There is, once you've built it and it's established and you're, you've created various digital products or whatever it may be, if you're building an online business, it runs itself. Mm. But there is a period where you have to work hard. Okay. There is no getting around it. You know, there are lucky flukes. Mm. I know a few who, um, when I was building my YouTube channel, my, you know, I'm a plodder and, mm. and you know, my, my YouTube channel does well, but it's, I'm plodding. Now I was in a sort of cohort with somebody called Vanessa Lau, who literally on video five got a million views Gosh. and her business just went, you know, stratospheric. And, um, and so, you know, I think she's got, I can't remember half a million subscribers or something. She just, it completely exploded. And so there are obviously people who are like that, mm. who just get lucky and it flies. Yeah. But most of us are people that we have to put in the work. We mm. have to put in the effort. We have to put in the work. And it does pay off. Obviously, that is, you know, being consistent. That is, um, you know, with a strategy, with a formula that is going to work. It's no point just scattergun splatting mm. things at a wall. But you do have to recognize that, there will be a period where you have to work hard because mm. that's the reality of yeah. it. Um, but once it's done, then you get that freedom and flexibility. Mm. And I think for so many people, they don't, aren't willing to put in that work in yeah. that way that you need to. And, and so that is, you know, you've got to be prepared to grit your teeth and just go through it and yeah. recognize that, you know, people won't always understand, like maybe your partner won't understand, or maybe I remember, you know, my family didn't mm. understand, like my mom had no clue and I just didn't really tell her. I just, you know, you just don't tell people who yeah. aren't very supportive. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing that you've got to work hard. Mm. The second thing is that sometimes you work hard and then it doesn't quite work. Mm. And if it doesn't quite give you the result that you want, don't just say, oh, it's terrible and bin it. That's a point when you've got to say, right, why is it not working? Mm. What can I do? What can I test and tweak and change yeah. and evolve to make it work? Because yes. you've got this nugget of nugget of something absolutely brilliant, mm. but there might be that you need to slightly, you know, alter course or tweak the strategy or you know, rewrite something or just look at, okay, who am I selling this to? Mm. Am I using, am I absolutely honing in on the right audience or whatever it may be? And so many people 
aren't prepared to like look at the stats, to look at the data of where's my audience coming from yeah. or, you know, what social media platforms are working. Oh, I'm going to go all in on this social media platform. Mm. We talk about LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn is a brilliant platform. Yeah. And I think lots of people, oh, I'll stay on Facebook because mm. Facebook's comfortable. Yeah. But the algorithm isn't necessarily supporting you. Mm. And so you've got to be prepared to say, I'm going to work smarter. I'm going to learn something new, something yes. different, mm. whatever that may be. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been an absolute joy um, interviewing you and listening to your story. But we're coming towards the end now. And I always ask if my guests would pay forward some advice yeah, to to the listeners. So just say, for example, we've got a a listener listening and they're saying, I feel so stuck. I'm at a crossroads and I just do not know which way to turn. What advice would you give them, even if it's just as a starting point? So listening to ourselves and what we really want Mm. rather than the noise of what other people want us to do Mm. is so essential. Now, I mentioned before I'm a people pleaser. Mm. And as women, as mothers, as wives, it is equally challenging to have lots of noise of other people's desires, attention, telling you what to do, whatever it may be. And we might carry on doing those things. And suddenly we get to this crossroads where we're like, okay, what do I want? And we genuinely feel like, I don't know which way is best that, you know, and your head might be telling you a a ton of different ways. Yeah. And actually by listening to that voice within and finding that voice within, um, can really be helpful. And that might be through journaling. That might be, I really like to meditate. Mm. And, and then using, I, I really try to be much more in tune with my intuition. I found myself in that sort of, particularly sort of in 2020, um, where I was very much ticking all the boxes, doing all the things. And I felt like I was really in that kind of masculine energy mm. of doing, of strategy, of mm. and not really in the flow using feminine energy. Mm. And so I started using Reiki to help me kind of, um, I basically had a Reiki session that somebody gifted me when I was really sick with COVID. Mm. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy some Reiki sessions from the person because she was sweet enough to mm. offer me a free Reiki session. So I didn't really know how it was going to work out and, and what effect it was going to have on me. But um, I found that I was using it more to get into that state of flow. Mm. And I wanted to get back to flow rather than feeling doing and pushing and striving to be like where things just flowed, mm. things happened and nice. good things mm. came to me. Yeah. And, and so very much by allowing that intuition, like I went for a run earlier today and, um, and I, you know, stopped on a bench just, you know, halfway around my run. And I literally, I, I listen to meditations as I run, which people might think is a weird thing Mm. to do, but it gets me in kind of a zone. Mm. And I sat on bench and I put on, um, a meditation for, um, it was like, you know, amazing meditations on YouTube. Mm. Um, one Reiki Rachel's a great YouTube channel. Um, and I put one on for 10 minutes. Mm. Um, and I just closed my eyes and sat there and, um, you know, did a, a, it was a visualization, but it, it enables you to, to really figure out what do you want? And I came back out of that meditative space, um, having so much and just feeling so much more peaceful Mm. but also having some clarity about things and there were definitely you know things that I've got going on where it's like okay um I can you know things that are really really hard and uh, upsetting for me but actually I had some peace around them and some clarity Mm. and when you allow that inner voice to to guide you rather than the should do's and the and being told what to do by other people or just what your brain is telling you what you think you should do mm. and listening to that voice within because we know our gut instinct. We know it. Yeah. Intrinsically, there is a gut instinct. But often we don't. We choose not to listen to it and yeah. we listen to what we think we should do. Mm. 
And when we listen to that voice within, that's when the magic happens. That's when we make the very best decisions. And they might seem weird to people at the time, but they always work out in the right way. And so allow yourself to follow those, you know, true, what you actually really want, what your heart desires, what you really want, rather than what you think you should do. Yes. Oh, that's what a way to end that. I mean, that is absolutely wonderful, wonderful advice, Lucy. For our listeners who want to to get in touch with you, maybe buy your book, follow you, where, where can they find you? Um, so I'm lucygriffiths.com. So a lot of my social media is lucygriffiths.dotcom. Um, so whether that's YouTube or LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook. Um, and my book is Make Money While You Sleep, which is available at all good bookstores and um, on Amazon and on Audible and um, would love to get to know you more and um, hopefully you enjoy listening or reading the book. Oh, Lucy, thank you so very much. And thank you uh, for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much to the incredible Lucy for joining us and sharing her advice. You can find more information about the things we've discussed to this episode in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. And please do share this podcast with anyone you think will enjoy it or need it.